The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 1, going back to our study on the book of Mark, Jesus says in verse 1, He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. There be some here, he said, that have not that shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now remember, for those of you that have been here and have been listening to our series, uh, some of you may have seen it on, uh, on our podcast, uh, on the Gospel of Mark. Notice that where we are is that we have just finished a chapter wherein Jesus informed his disciples in no uncertain terms about his purpose in coming to earth. Uh, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 31, he says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And if you remember, as we looked at that, you, you remember that Peter in particular uh, either didn't understand or didn't believe it or both, which is probably the answer there. And Jesus, he began to rebuke Jesus and Jesus rebuked him and even called him Satan. <laughs> Peter that we were just talking about, a devout disciple, the, the, the most vocal apostle. You know, he, I, I think I've said this recently. I, I kind of get Peter. Peter didn't know when to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know when to keep my mouth shut. He got called out quite a bit because of that, but he also got a lot of blessings, Brother Glendon, because of that as well. So maybe there's hope for me. But, he, uh, uh, but Peter didn't, he was saying, no, Lord, this can't be so. And, and Jesus said, he called him Satan, and he said, get thee behind me. Because this was the purpose that Jesus came for. And, and, and now he lets them in on another little secret about the kingdom of God. He said, there is power in the kingdom of God that is coming. He said, there be some of you standing here who will not die. You will still be alive when you see the kingdom of God coming with power. Now let's rewind just for a minute about the kingdom of God, okay? And it's really, in a sense, the kingdom of God was a secret kingdom, in a sense. Now, now I say that because when Je Jesus' ministry began, His very first message and consistent message throughout His ministry was repent ye for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's, it's here, it's near, it's imminent. You can reach out and touch it almost. And in one sense, it was secret. In this, in this sense, it was completely misunderstood by the religious people of that day. The religious of that day, the Jews of that day, were expecting something that was totally different than what Jesus was bringing. They were looking for a whole different kind of kingdom, a political kingdom, a military kingdom a visible kingdom. But you see, over in Luke, the 17th chapter, when Jesus is actually answering the Pharisees here, uh, in verse 20 it says, when He was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. 
It's not something you can see with the natural eyes. If he'd been a great war leader and he had assumed the mantle of king of Judah or of Judea in that day, they could have seen that. If he had been a great politician, someone who had risen up through the ranks of the Roman Empire, they could have seen that. But he said, my kingdom does not come by observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. You see, the kingdom of God is not something you can see with a natural eye. Now, I don't have time this morning and wouldn't have time if I had the whole hour to preach to you to explain all the aspects of the kingdom of God. But just understand that the kingdom that he's talking about, in one sense, is every child of God wherever they are. Every born again child of God who has been whose heart has been pricked by the Holy Spirit and has been made alive. In one sense, every child of God makes up that kingdom of God. But the kingdom that Jesus is specifically referencing here and specifically was bringing in in his day was something that was even more special, maybe is the word, or a little different than that. It was a part of that great kingdom that included every single child of God everywhere. But, but there was going to be a kingdom that would be manifest through what we know today as the church. He was ushering in the church king. You know, in that day when Jesus came, the only way to worship God in spirit and in truth was really literally to go down to the temple or to go to the synagogue, but, but primarily the temple. You had to go there. You couldn't just pray to God. I mean, you could pray to him. You always could pray to God. But, but, but the idea of, of worshiping him properly, you had to do it through the Jewish nation. You couldn't just you couldn't you couldn't do it if you were if you were a, a, a Chinaman uh, over in Peking, China. You couldn't worship God properly. Yeah, you. He he said he has a people in every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. That means that there were children of God there in China in that day. There were children of God everywhere. There were Gentiles like Cornelius. Cornelius before Jesus came couldn't worship God properly. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to hell. It's like Brother John Morgan said. He was a child of God. His prayers were coming up before God. God doesn't hear the prayers of the wicked. <laughs> you know that? <laughs> the plowing of the wicked is sin. That is, those who are not his children, those who are reprobate, not born again, even their very mundane acts of life are not pleasing to God. But those that are children of God can please him. They can pray to him. The door is open to them. But, but there was a proper way of worship then. But Jesus said... Hey, he told a woman at a well, he said, time's coming. When you're not going to say in this mountain you worship me or that mountain you worship me, the time's coming when those that worship me will worship in spirit and in truth. It's about the heart, you see. It's about the heart, as Brother John Morgan said. Jesus told Pilate, you know, Pilate said, they say you're a king. You know what he said? He said, my kingdom is not this world. I say to you this morning, he's a king. In fact, he's the king of king and lord of lords. But his kingdom is not of this world. People today continue to get the kingdom of God mixed up with the kingdoms of men. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean, just like we mentioned already, the prayer that was offered yesterday, the, 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 the involvement that children of God have and ought to have in the political uh, uh, operations of our nation. See, we live in a, we're blessed. We're blessed. We live, if we lived in this day, we'd have no say-so in the politics 
and, and those who ruled over us. We just have to accept whoever it was. There are people today that have no say-so in who rules over them. We are blessed, beloved, because we have a say-so. And because that's what we have here, we, we believe we ought to be involved. I'm not, we should not uh, bury our heads in the sand and, and stay home from the polls and don't ever get involved in politics or a political campaign. We ought to do that. We ought to seek out those candidates that, that stand for the things that the Bible stands for, that, that, that are doing things that are pleasing to God. We ought to be involved, but we ought never get mixed up with the idea that it's the politics or the next election that's going to save us. Our salvation is not coming through the election on November 3rd. As a matter of fact, our salvation was about an election, but it occurred before the foundation of the world, okay? That's the one we ought to be concerned with. We ought to be excited about. We ought to be thankful for the fact that our salvation was wrought on the cross 2,000 years ago by the Lord Jesus Christ, as John Morgan said, who's cried out, it is finished. In other words, praise God. He has done it all. Things I couldn't do, I tell you, beloved, I'm so thankful for the salvation that's found only in Christ. Because if any little bit of it was left up to me, I'd mess it up. Do you know how many things I've messed up in my life? <laughs> Mr. Hayward knows some of them. He used to help us work over there. At the, you know, I'd get out there, and I'd, especially when I thought I had a better way than Daddy, you know, I thought I had a better way. Uh, it never did work out too well for me, let me just say. <laughs> you know how many things I've messed up in my life? I mean, just little things. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I was putting together a, let me just say it this way. I've never put together anything that I didn't leave something out. You know, if it was a toy on Christmas Eve, if it was, a, if it was some kind of equipment that I needed, you know, you ever, you ever done that? You put it all together and you get there and then there's about four or five bolts over here. Wait a minute. Reckon where they went. <laughs> Pretty soon you find out, right? You know, how many times have you messed up something like that? And I'm so thankful the Lord didn't leave it to me to save myself. He saved me at the cross. Praise God for that. And by the way, the salvation that we do, you know, I know we want things to change in our nation. And I pray that they will. And I pray that things will, will occur in November that will help us to to, to, to maintain our status or even go back to our status as a nation under God. But I'm telling you, it's not going to last in this world. If you think that there's something that's going to fix things in this world, it's not going to do it. I don't know where we're headed as a country, as a world. I worry about my children. I worry about my grandchildren. But I only worry about them in, in one sense. In the other sense, I understand that, praise God, the kingdom of God has always been taken care of no matter where they were. They were, they were under a God-hating Pharaoh one time. And you know what happened? The Lord eventually parted a sea to get them out of there and to take care of them. I don't know if he's going to part a sea for us, but I know this. It may just be that he, he just kind of takes care of us quietly over here on the side. You know, we're not, we're not looking, we're not wanting to take over the government. I'm not, I'm not up here preaching so that we can gather up a whole bunch of primitive Baptists and go march into Washington and take over the government. I, there's some primitive Baptists I wouldn't want in charge of the government. <laughs> They're good folks, but you know, we're, but, but here, my, 
I say that facetiously. What I mean by that is, is what I'm preaching today to you, what we desire is to be let alone so that we might worship Him the way the Lord has set forth for us to do so as we believe in in the Word of God. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of men. Now, in that sense, it was a secret and it was a disappointment to most in that day when Jesus came. But Jesus says here, okay, there's, there's something more coming about this particular kingdom, which I believe He's talking about the church kingdom here. He said, there's some of you standing here and you will not die until you see the kingdom of God coming in power. Let me, let me ask you, and again, I want us to focus our thoughts on the church, the church kingdom, the, the visible aspect, the manifest aspect of the kingdom of God, not just that which is within our hearts. The church should be made up of those who have been born of the Spirit, okay? That's, that's, we believe in believers' baptism, right? So we should, we should be made up of those that have been born of the Spirit. But I'm talking about the outward manifestation which we call the church today. Now let me ask you this. What would you think if I were to start advertising a new kind of organization today? There's no entertainment. There's no external activities. There's no formal funding mechanism. It's all voluntary on the part of the members. There's no educational requirements for membership or for leadership or membership. There's no mechanism for advancement. There's no officers that, that, uh, that you can start at the bottom and work your way up through the hierarchy. There's no majestic buildings. There's buildings, but nothing, no cathedrals and major uh, amazing majestic buildings or, or artwork or or. or, or, or any kind of artistic things like that. No earthly awards, no bonuses. In fact, no earthly focus whatsoever. You'd kind of say to me, that's pretty much doomed to failure from the outset, isn't it? (laughs) That wouldn't be very enticing to most folks, would it? Well, I tell you, beloved, does that not in a great way describe the church of God? Now, I realize there's many today, many churches today, many in the modern religious world that focus on how to model itself in a way to be more attractive to the world. They begin to change their focus. They begin to change their doctrines. They begin to change their, uh, their positions on, on certain, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their positions evolve, okay, over the years as we get smarter, as we get more educated, right? And so, so um, uh, marriage, for example, you know, that's, that's, another, that, that is, that's a whole other topic I don't have time to preach on this morning. But, but isn't it true that in the world today, we've gotten so much smarter and so much more highly educated that our thinking on what marriage is has evolved and many of our churches, many of our religious organizations have evolved right along with it. Isn't that, isn't that what we see in the world? You know, it's, it's sort of, it's not in vogue today to preach that God created the universe. You know, what's more in vogue, and, and it's a subtle thing. Brother Buddy preached on it not too long ago about how subtle the world is. It's a whole lot more accepted if I would get up here and just say, well, you know, science doesn't really conflict with, with 
the Bible. And by the way, it doesn't. <laughs> Not true science. But, but I'm talking about the modern science. And, and we've got to change our way of thinking about whether or not that's a literal six days. That's, that's really a figurative number that the Lord, uh, the Lord gave us when he was talking about creating this universe. Well, let me ask you a question. Was the three days and three nights that Jesus was in the, in the tomb, was that a figurative three days and three nights? Could it be he's still there? <laughs> Could it be it's only been two days, 2,000 years? See, I don't know. Three, maybe. You see what I'm saying? You can get off into all kinds of problems here. It's not in vogue anymore to stand on the authority of the Word of God. We need to change. We need to evolve. We need to make it more palatable to the world. Beloved, let me just say to you this, and, and please understand what I'm saying. I don't want the world in the church. Now, I, I want all of God's children that are out there in the world to come into the church, but I don't want the world in the church. The focus today is to, I, I've told you this before, I know, I, I read about a, a group of people one time uh, some years ago, it's been at least five or ten years ago, uh, and it wasn't around here, it was somewhere, but somewhere in the United States that they decided they wanted to start a church. And they began to send out a questionnaire into the community, say, what do you want in a church? Check, you know, A, B, C, or D. Do you want, uh, do you want uh, 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 women to be ordained? Do you, want, uh, uh, do you want this doctrine preached? Do you want that doctrine? You know, they begin to ask what people want. Well, beloved, I hope I please you in my preaching. I hope the Word of God pleases you. But it's not my job to compromise the Word of God. It's not our job as a church to compromise on these positions in order to make it more palatable to the world. What I described to you earlier about this organization is exactly what the church is. And now it's not enticing to the world. And in fact, absent a certain ingredient, there wouldn't be any point in us being here either. This organization that I've described to you can't compete with most of the modern religious orders. This organization I've described for you can't compete with most of the philosophies of this world and the organizations of this world. But you see, there's something about the kingdom of God that the world misses and that Jesus is talking about right here. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 4, Jesus says this to His disciples just before, after His resurrection and just before He ascends back to heaven. It says, Being assembled together with them, He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, You have heard of Me, and over in chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1, we read about the fulfillment of what we just read in Acts 1 and 4, and also, I believe, in Mark chapter 9 and verse 1. He said, he said, there's some of you standing here that you will not die before you see the power of God coming, see the kingdom of God, rather, coming in power. Look what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost 
was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, this is the time, beloved, I believe, when Mark chapter 9 and verse 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 was fulfilled when the power of God descended upon the church of God. Now the Lord had, prior to Pentecost, Jesus had created the church. The church already existed, but prior to Pentecost, it was not empowered. You know, I've heard, I believe Brother Buddy put it this way, the old ship of Zion was created by Jesus before his crucifixion. He placed his apostles first in the church, but it didn't set sail until Pentecost. It was sitting there as it were in the harbor with the sails slack and no wind behind it. But then the wind of the Holy Ghost, the breath of God came down and began to empower it and began to move those sails and fill out those sails. And now the, the old ship of Zion sails truly and straight upon the waters of this world. You see, that's the difference between this organization that I described to you that has no attraction to anyone, even children of God, and that's the difference between that organization and the organism that is the church. The church is a Holy Ghost-powered church. I'm not talking, I understand there's a lot of error that has come out of the book of Acts. There's a lot of things in the book of Acts that those apostles and disciples were able to do that have passed away after the apostolic church age. For example, I'm not up here speaking in tongues. And by the way, that doesn't mean babbling. That doesn't mean coming up with something that nobody can understand. In fact, Paul had to set them straight on that. He said, you don't even need to be speaking in tongues if you don't have somebody to interpret. <laughs> So if I get up here sometime and start babbling, don't, don't think I'm speaking in tongues. Call, call the ambulance because I'm having a stroke, okay? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, my point though is this, is we're not, that's not the focus, the Holy Ghost power that we find here coming for the first time into the church is the same Holy Ghost power that we ought to be feeling and experiencing here today. And I'll tell you, beloved, we've experienced it. <laughs> We've experienced it in this church. How many times have you come to services on a Sunday morning? And you've gotten here and you felt empty and you felt cold and you felt like, what is the point of me being here? I have no business coming to church. I'm a poor and I'm a, I'm a vile sinner, as John Morgan said. I, I've listened to Satan and I've, I've been convinced that I'm not even a child of God. I couldn't be because of the way that I've acted and the things that I've thought in this week. How many times have you come here like that? Maybe you've come here just completely cold with a mind distracted by the things of the world. And before you go, you're filled up and overflowing. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> I can't, it's been, listen, I'm your, I'm your pastor, but uh, it happens to me. I'm not any better than you. Sometimes I think it happens worse to me than anybody else. Oh, I remember not too long ago, Brother Buddy, I guess it was the last time he preached on Sunday morning. It had been the first Sunday of this past, this past month. <laughs> and I got up that morning and I said, Lord, there's no hope for me today. There's no experience. I, I, don't, there, I love Brother Buddy, but there's no way he can preach anything that will get to me. <laughs> There's no way that uh, I can be blessed today. I feel too bad. I've had too much going on. I feel too vile and condemned as a sinner. And I hit my knees and I prayed, Lord, just please, please give him something 
Please give him something. Brother Buddy told me later, he said he had had the same feeling that morning. He just felt empty. He didn't know what he was going to preach on. Best sermon I ever heard him preach. <laughs> it may not have been really a good sermon at all, but boy, it hit me. <laughs> I needed it. I needed it. It was a good sermon, Brother Buddy. I've listened to it again. But uh, praise God. That's what happens in this place. There's nothing here to attract anybody. We don't have a choir. We don't have a, a bunch of activities going on. We're not, I'm not putting down the folks that, you know, that's, that's, uh, we don't, we don't have, we're not in a war against other denominations uh, in the religious world out there. But what we are trying to do is, is just to say to you that, uh, that it's the Holy Ghost that makes a difference. The Holy Ghost is the power of the church. Let me just leave you with this. You know what the Holy Ghost is? The Word, Jesus calls Him the Comforter in John chapters 14 and 15 and 16. He says, if I go away, I'll send the Comforter. The, the, the Greek word there is the parakletos. Some people have transliterated to the, call it the paraclete, the paraclete. And in some of our denominations, that's what the Holy Spirit is called. You know what that word literally means? <laughs> I love it. It means somebody who is summoned to your side to help you. Boy, doesn't that describe the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you. I needed Him this morning. I felt Him when John Morgan was preaching. I felt Him up here. I hope you have. Praise God. The Holy Spirit is... It's not... Hey, you're, you're, you're essential to this church, okay? So am I. We're, we're important. It's, Brother John Morgan said, every single child of God is special. But we would be nothing. We would be nothing if not for the, the infusing power of the Holy Ghost here at this church. We felt Him. I know you have. We've talked about it. I feel Him today. And praise God, He's not going to quit coming. We need to seek Him. We need to pray for Him. You don't need to show up at church just expecting, oh well, I don't have to do anything. The Lord just take for granted He's going to bless us. You need to be praying. Pray for tonight. Pray for me tonight. Maybe we'll continue along this line. But pray for me. Pray for your preacher. Pray for one another and love one another. And the Holy Ghost power, the kingdom of God, continues to come in power to those who seek Him. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.